0: Welcome back to the Hemingway List podcast, the podcast where we do things the Hemingway, talking about War and Peace, Book 11, Chapter 7. Well, 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 this chapter had the moment that I think many in this subreddit and in this community uh, were waiting for. What do you think Pierre will do when he receives this news? The moment, of course, being Helena deciding she's leaving Pierre. A side question, who do you think Helena is, well, sorry, why do you think Helena is still under the impression that Pierre likes her? Yeah, that is a weird bit, isn't it? The fact that she thinks he loves her still. Probably in some ways he does, but in a lot of ways I think he's quite exhausted with having her as his wife. Ripster 66 says, I think Helena just assumed Pierre still likes her. Because in her world view, everyone likes her, so he must as well. She is manipulative, narcissistic and clever, but blind to how Pierre actually feels about her. Huge sigh of relief for the dissolution of this marriage. I hope Pierre feels the same way, though he doesn't overthink the situation and feel like he's a failure because of it. Kara Kickar says, oh man, hashtag free Pierre indeed. But if I know Pierre all... After all these months, he's going to tie himself in knots over this. He'll need spiritual guidance and probably choose a bad counsellor. I liked this observation in the Medium article. Helena understands that divorce will only be allowed if it receives the imprimatur of society at large. This is so true. Laws are never applied blindly and universally. There is always some wiggle room. I wonder what events in Tolstoy's life he witnessed where this happened. Wayne Schnitzel says, Come off the high of experiencing the battlefield of Borodino with its terrible beauty, Pierre must simply shrug and say, So be it. Helena has gotten her way throughout the novel, even though I am not a big fan of her, I can't help but admire her ability to manipulate everyone around her. I think this could ultimately open Pierre up to pursuing a new romantic interest as well. Wap Wap Away says, having been in a close relationship with someone who m- most likely has a cluster B personality disorder, I must say Helena reminds me a lot of that person, especially the way she talked in previous chapters. You try to talk to her about some issue no matter how gently and you'll be completely shut down. The absolute nerve, you have to even feel that way and after everything the person has done for you, the bare minimum, if you can that, And think about all the suffering they've experienced in their life, and they're totally not doing the wrong thing. You're pointing out, and even if they are, it's actually okay, because this and that reason, and, and. Yeah, safe to say Helena isn't my favorite character. I really like Maya. She has the nerve and wit to put anyone back in their place, but she doesn't abuse that. Yeah, Maya is awesome. And I feel for you, WAP, WAP away. I've also been in a close relationship with someone with a cluster B personality disorder. Borderline personality disorder, to be... Specific and my God, <laughs> what a mind field, what a mind F that is. I can definitely see what you mean when you say there's similarities with Helena, those traits of kind of having no regard for other people, but also somehow always managing to seem like they are in the right, or worse still, they are some kind of a victim of a situation that they've completely created by their own um, doing. So, yeah, I feel for you, and I know exactly what you're saying. All right, so I think i better open up the next chapter, which I have not yet done. Uh, What are we doing here? Chapter 8. Chapter 8 goes like this. Toward the end of the Battle of Borodino, Pierre, having run down from the Reyevsky's battery a second time, made his way through a gully to K- novo with a crowd of soldiers. He reached the dressing station, and seeing blood and hearing cries and groans, hurried on, still entangled in the crowds of soldiers. The one thing he now desired with his whole soul was to get away quickly from the terrible sensations amid which he had lived that day and return to ordinary conditions of life and sleep quietly, in a room, in his own bed. He felt that only in the ordinary conditions of life would he be able to understand himself and all he had seen and felt. But such ordinary conditions of life were nowhere to be found. Though shells and bullets did not whistle over the road along which he was going, still on all sides there was what there had been on the field of battle, There was still the same suffering, exhausted and sometimes strangely indifferent faces, the same blood, the same soldiers, overcoats, the same sounds of firing which, though distant, now still aroused terror, and besides this there were the foul air and the dust. Having gone a couple of miles along the most road, Pierre sat down by the roadside. Dusk had fallen, and the roar of guns died away. Pierre... Lay, leaning on his elbow for a long time, gazing at the shadows that moved past him in the darkness, he was continually imagining that a cannonball was flying toward him with a terrific whiz, and then he shuddered and sat up. He had no idea how long he had been there. In the middle of the night, three soldiers, having brought some firewood, settled down near him and began lighting a fire. The soldiers, who threw sidelong glances at Pierre, got the fire to burn and placed an iron pot on it, into which they broke some dried bread and put a little dripping. The pleasant odor of greasy viands mingled with the smell of smoke. Pierre sat, and s- sat up and sighed. The three soldiers were eating and talking among themselves, taking no notice of him. "'And who may you be?' one of them suddenly asked Pierre, evidently meaning that Pierre, what Pierre himself had in mind. Namely, if you want to eat, we'll give you some food, only let us know whether you are an honest man.' "'I,' I, said Pierre, feeling it necessary to minimise his social position as much as possible so as to be nearer to the soldiers and better understood by them. "'By rights, I am a militia officer, but my men are not here. I came to the battle and have lost them.' "'There now,' said one of the soldiers, another shook his head. "'Would you like a little mash?' the first soldier asked, and handed Pierre a wooden spoon after licking it clean.' Pierre sat down by the fire and began eating the mash, as they called the food in the cauldron, and he thought it more delicious than any food he had ever tasted. As he sat, bending greedily over it, helping himself to large spoonfuls and chewing one after another, his face was lit up by the fire and the soldiers looked at him in silence. "'Where have you to go? Tell us,' said one of them. "'To Mosheisk." "'You're a gentleman, aren't you?' "'Yes.' And what's your name? Peter Kirilich. Well then, Peter Kirilich, come along with us, we'll take you there. In the total darkness, the soldiers walked with Pierre to Moshaisk. By the time they got near Moshaisk and began ascending the steep hill into the town, the cook, the cocks were already crowing. Pierre went on with the soldiers, quite forgetting that his inn was at the bottom of the hill and that he had already passed it. He would not soon have remembered this, Such was his state of forgetfulness, had he not halfway up the hill stumbled upon his groom, who had been to look for him in the town and was returning to the inn. The groom recognized Pierre in the darkness by his white hat. Your Excellency, said he. Why, we were beginning to despair. How is it you are on foot? And where are you going, please? Oh, yes, said Pierre. The soldiers stopped. So you've found your folk, said one of them. Well, goodbye, Peter Kirillich, isn't it? Goodbye, Peter Kirilitch. Pierre heard the other's voices repeat. Goodbye, he said, and turned with his groom toward the inn. I ought to give them something, he thought, and felt in his pocket. No, better not, said another inner voice. There was not a room to be had at the inn. They were all occupied. Pierre went out into the yard and, covering himself up, head and all lay down in his carriage. Alright, there we go, another chapter for you. Pierre making his way out of the war scene, and into something like civilization. Interesting chapter. I like how he sort of tries to downplay his position to just fit in with these ordinary soldiers. Alright, head over to the subreddit to have a little chit-chat about that chapter, and I will see you tomorrow.